Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you can do a better job creating products that our customers love. That is what being a product master is all about, is really delivering those products that really delight our customers and create value for them and value for their organization. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. That's the RPM Experience, which is the fastest way for product VPs and leaders to really get everyone involved in product work on the same page delivering work faster, better, performing at a higher level together. They learn foundational knowledge. They also improve how they interact with each other, improve their collaboration, and build trust along the way. If this is something that sounds of interest to you and your team, and you'd like to improve their performance and have a good experience doing so, simply go to productmasterynow.com RPM and see if it's a fit for you. Now, today we're talking about a frequently asked question that I get. And that's about product and project management and how those two things are different and how they're similar. And to join us, to help us with this, we have joining us Peter Monkhouse. He's a product owner and entrepreneur with NewGenP being his latest company. Peter is an experienced speaker, educator, and consultant with over 40 years of experience leading teams and organizations to deliver value through projects. He's held several roles with the Project Management Institute, including the chair and director of the board. And Peter's latest book is Gen P. The subtitle is New Generation of Product Owners Care About Customers. I met Peter through my participation in a product association, the Product Development Management Association. And so Peter has good experience in both areas here, and I really appreciate him helping us think through these topics. Also, as a reminder, listeners, if you want the written summary of everything we talk about, putting one page action guide to help you immediately put into action some of the key takeaways that Peter will share. Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 439. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Chad. Glad to be here. I thought we would just dive in with a project. If you could share an example of a project that resulted in a new product, so we can have that context of product work and inside of a project. Excellent. And that's a good place to start, Chad. As I think about this, the definition of a project, a temporary endeavor to create a unique product, service, or result. So just in that definition, we can see how the two are related and how the two are separate. So projects are used to create a product. So every project I've worked on, I'm creating a product at the end, a product that's going to go on and deliver value to customers and hopefully deliver benefits to the organizations. As you Unfortunately mentioned, I've been working for a long time. I keep wanting to forget that part of my career. Good experience. (laughs) Some of the larger projects I've worked on have been the installation of uh, telephone billing systems. So a telephone billing system is a product or service, if you like, I guess it's a bit of both, that a telephone company would use to send you those awful monthly telephone bills that we get. So we had a project, right? So this temporary endeavor, which we were hired by a telephone company, to customize our telephone billing system to meet their unique needs for our customer, and then to install it for them to create the telephone bills. And so that's the idea of a project being used to create and deliver the product, and then the telephone company going and using, in this case, the telephone billing system to generate invoices on a monthly basis to sell to their, send to their customers to get revenue to come back that allows them to continue to provide telephone service and add new functions and features and so on to their telephone company. And that's just one example. I'm sure your listeners and listening to this have, we think about this that every product, every project they've worked on, we talked about this, didn't we, beforehand about smitching this idea of product and project. Every project they've worked on has 
delivered a product. And conversely, when we think about it from a product owner or product manager point of view, right, if they want to add a new feature to an existing product or to create a new product, they're going to do that through a project, right, to create that new product or to add that new feature to a product that they can go on and deliver more value to customers. So hopefully that helps. At least gives us an example to start off with. On that project, and you're up in Canada, I love how you say project, and I'm just not accustomed to, to saying it that way, but not to confuse listeners, project and project means the same thing. Uh, it's just the way we say the word. Okay. On that telephone billing project, who was involved? You know, the typical roles that we have by title, and they all are different by organization, but typically there is someone who call, is called a project manager, and there might be someone who's a product manager, and or there might be someone called a product owner, and maybe some other things. Can you tell us about the types of roles that were involved and more or less what they're responsible for? Yeah, sure. And it's very confusing. As you said, Chad, in organizations, they will tend to have different titles, which adds to the confusion more than anything else. So the product, sorry, the project manager, we'll start there, is the person who's going to lead a team to deliver this product or service. Typically, the project manager is going to be successful when they deliver their product on time or deliver the project, deliver the product on time, on budget, and within the scope and quality that's expected by the client or the user. So a project manager, we typically will say, will report to a project sponsor, someone who is generally accountable for having that project to be completed on time and could obtain the benefits of the product or service from the project, and also the person who has the money to actually fund the project. Now, in some cases, a project sponsor could be a product owner or product manager. In that is, the project sponsor could be this person, from my perspective, who owns the product and is worrying about the full life cycle of the product continuing to add more features to it, more functionality in order to extend the life cycle of the product, deliver more value to customers. So a product project sponsor could often be the same role as a product owner because they're getting the benefits of that product, i.e. new features that will deliver more revenue or more benefits to the organization. A product owner, so a pro, this could also be a business owner as well, right? So someone who is either the owner, if you're dealing with a small organization, the owner of the company, or the owner of a line of business could be another role that we could see a project sponsor falling into. So as a product owner, they can often be the person, as I said, who's the sponsor for the project, but they may also be viewed as a role as a customer, someone who's going to accept that product that the project team is creating in order to make sure it meets the necessary criteria that they're looking for, for the use of the product wherever they're going to go. Within my case, going back to the telephone billing system, right, I had a customer who there was a, the IT department was the product owner for the billing system. So I would deliver it to my customer who would then test it and accept it to make sure it met the necessary criteria to go into production and start being used to generate telephone bills. Now, within, internally within my, the, my customer, the telephone company, my product owner in the IT department, they also had a product owner 
within the business side who would use the telephone billing systems. Well, they had multiple people involved from the finance department to customer care to new product development from a business line for the telephone company who would also be involved in trying to make sure that the billing system would function appropriately. So we have the product owner who has the, in my mind, will be looking after the product from birth to death. In some cases, we have products that go on a lot longer than a person's career. One hopes they just are managing part of it, you know, where they're looking at trying to understand their customer, what value the customer is looking for from the product, what problem the customer has that the product is solving, and then taking that feedback from the customer to see how they're going to enhance the product in order to better meet the customer needs and deliver more value to the customer with the objective of trying to make sure the product will stay on and stay current and relevant for as long as possible. Okay, so hopefully that helps outlines what the roles are, at least from my perspective, without confusing them a little bit more. I would say that last thing you, t- you mentioned about this idea of the product manager and the product owner, I see the terms being used in the very interchangeably now. In my book, Gen P, New Generation of Product Owners, we are talking about ownership as someone who has a passion for the product, who really will be the advocate for the product, who will go out and be the key spokesman to sell that product, whether it be internally or externally, but have that passion. Because after all, if a product owner doesn't have the passion for a product, who will? So we're really trying to advocate it at that level of for a product owner, whereas with pro- project, sorry, product manager might be more of a transactionally oriented individual who's just working on getting the product from point A to point B, getting to the customer, collecting information from the customer, that sort of thing. But again, I see in business, the terms are used almost interchangeably, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, there is certainly some confusion about the terms because they do get used differently. But big picture, here's what I'm hearing. The project manager is waking up in the morning, excited to find out what work has gotten done. You know, are we still on schedule? And if we're not, what can I do about that? Are we still on budget? And if not, what can I do about that? Are we getting everything done that the sponsor is wanting to get done and the other stakeholders involved in this? So they're really excited about the execution of the project and meeting the needs of the stakeholder. There are going to be ones that major it, like you said, typically on time, budget, and scope things. The product manager or product owner, which we might tease apart a little bit more, get your thoughts on that. They're waking up in the morning going, wow, what can I do for the customer today? What new problems is the customer encountering? How can I make life better for the customer? How can we make our solution, meet their needs better, add value to them, delight them more, so more customer-focused? And they certainly want the project to get done, but they're thinking, what does the customer need? Yeah, I would say absolutely more customer-focused. But I'd also argue they should also be much more future-oriented in terms of looking at how is that product going to grow and help the organization be successful. Going back to this idea of linking to strategy again, this thinking about what future changes, features, enhancements do I have to have in my product to make it relevant? So yes, you want to get feedback to what's missing now, but you've also got to be looking ahead, thinking about what are the competitors doing? What sort of disruptive technology is coming down the line that's going to impact my product and how should I change or evolve it? 
So I'm not going to become the next blockbuster video or pick your other favorite industry that or company that missed the technology change and has ended up failing. The product owner needs to have that type of vision going forward. Otherwise, their product's not going to be around very long. We'll be back with our guest in a moment. As you are a listener to this podcast, I want you to know how you can get even greater value from it, which is by becoming a member of the Product Mastery Now community. After being closed to new members for the last six months, it's now open. The community lets you meet the weekly guests yourself and ask your questions. If you miss these live sessions, you can view the video recording months before the audio-only version is available on podcast players, like what you're listening to now. You can also use Super Search to search the content of all past episodes, both in audio and video when available. The community is also the place to interact with other product professionals and get tips and advice. And that's just part of what the community offers. In my opinion, working in product is the best job you can have. Now, of course, I'm biased, but that's been true for me and true for many others I talk to. But still, many of us have few opportunities to network and learn from other product professionals. Let's change that. Since you already find this podcast valuable, you need to be in the community also, and you can be for as little as $10 a month. You'll be helping yourself and also helping this podcast. Please join now by going to productmasterynow.com slash community. Thanks for checking it out. I like to tease apart the project manager and the product owner. I'm stumbling over the difference there too. Tease apart the product manager and the product owner. And I've seen all kinds of perspectives on this, and some are very firm, and they're on other sides of the table, so to speak. It seems to be very dependent on the organization, what the organization is doing. What I see in general is that the product manager, so my discipline, is outwardly focused on the customer and trying to understand what the customer is about. If there's a separate product owner role, that probably likely means we're in an agile scrum sort of environment just to start with because we're using the language from the, that the process gives us. And the product owner is more focused internally on helping the rest of the scrum team understand what needs to be delivered. And then there's a camp that says those two roles need to be physically the same person that should be out with the customer and helping the scrum team know what to do. And that's the only way to be successful in that role. And then there's a camp that says, because of scale of organization, that's impossible. We have product people that are more externally focused and product people that are more internally focused. And then I ran into really odd things that we might have time to talk about, but teasing out the difference or similarities between product manager and product owner, what are your thoughts on that? And one of the reasons that led myself and my co-author, Joanna Tivik, to write our book, Gen P, was we felt that the agile world had inappropriately used the product owner term and that it was doing a disservice to this term. Oh, there have been, and I, so I, so having said that, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Chad, because that's one of the problems I think we have in the industry around product owners. Now, there have been many successful companies, Procter and Gamble in particular, who are product focused companies, who have product owners and product managers who have nothing to do with IT. So the fact that Scrum has used the product owner term to be the as you said, the internal voice in the, on the project team to represent the voice of the customer, I think is a disservice to the term. And companies, they can maybe rely on that term if they want. But the, what we've been talking about is this idea of having someone who can 
be able to collect feedback from customers, be able to navigate the internal parts of an organization to be able to come up with a roadmap and get the appropriate funding to continuously invest in the product to make sure it's continually delivering value, being able to think about how that product will help the organization be successful to achieving benefits, to be able to help show and why it's important to invest in the product, to show internally to get the investment and externally to show customers why they continue to need to acquire the product to be successful is the important role that an organization has to have. If they don't have it, the product is going to fail. Now, I have worked in construction industry, building telephone infrastructure. I've worked in the IT sector. I've worked in the educational sector. And so many times I've seen, especially in the IT sector, where a software product has been developed, thrown over the wall to support, and no one supports it. It just sits there and goes splat. And then people use it, and then they stop using it because it's no longer relevant. And then something comes up, and people realize they got to have the product, and it's a big crisis because you have to work and update it and everything. The organizations who don't have this product, what I'm going to call a product owner role, this higher level role, something that will direct a team of people who will support the product as it goes through its life cycle. Organization doesn't have that role in place is doomed to fail because they're not having that person thinking about how's that product going to be helping the organization be successful going forward in the future. Now, part of that answer could be the pro- product is no longer having, delivering any value. We should sunset it. We should cancel it. But that mm-hmm. too is an important role to have for product owners because if you, if a company continues to invest or support a product that's not making money, that's not delivering value, then this way the organization is wasting money and energy. They should cancel the product and move on to yeah. the next one. So I think the going back to your definition, this is how businesses are using the terms. I agree especially in the IT sector. But remember, for those who are listening, that products go well beyond IT, right? And have for hundreds and thousands of years. And we need to keep remembering that. And the successful organizations are the organizations who understand what the products are, product services are, and manage them to make sure they're delivering value. And when they no longer deliver value, they sunset them and invest in products that do. So got on a bit of a rant there for you, but... Very good. You know, for context, listeners are in all kinds of product spaces. We have a number of listeners developing software for businesses, software for consumers, external in food and building materials, just all over the place. The IT space is interesting because it has changed in the last few years from being rather project-driven. We used to hire exclusively project managers if you found anyone related to managing projects in IT, now it's, I've been running into organizations that are asking for help with, how do we think about the work we're doing as a product? We're generating a product really for internal customers, not for external customers, like a lot of us are involved in, but for internal customers and thinking through that differently as that's an actual product. And I think that's a a good change. Because as I mentioned, a number of times I've seen project teams develop something in the IT, and there's no one owning it. Oh, we're going to go and upgrade this system. So the system gets upgraded, then no one's there watching to see when the next upgrade's required. Suddenly the organization gets a 
notice from the vendor saying we're no longer supporting it. And it's a mad panic. It's a crisis. So I think that's an appropriate change that organizations are thinking about for their IT organizations or their technology organizations. You've got to think about them as you're building products and you've got to manage those products, whether it be internal or external, right, throughout their life cycle and not to just mm-hmm. think about them as projects. So I agree with that. And I think the next change they have to think about is that the product owner should be the higher level person, the person that leads these teams that will sponsor small projects or big projects to update their products and not having them as being a junior person that's signed as a as the product owner or part of a scrum team because there's no other role for them, if I can exaggerate a little bit. I tend to call them requirement jockeys. Because yes. I, see a, I see a product owner on teams at times where their whole responsibility is to make sure the requirements are clear and that the developers or engineering team has them. And they don't really have the understanding of what the customer actually wants. My key takeaways so far are project managers are excessively useful because they help get things done. And so as a product person, I really appreciate having a project manager or someone, regardless of title, with those skills because they're going to help execute on the actual work in one way, freeing me up to think more about the customer and the problem and the future things we need to get done. Whether we call it a product owner, a product manager, some companies might call it a a product marketer, right? It could be other terms as well. We do need that person, as you said, to help direct the product, the efforts on the product throughout its life cycle from being introduced to the customer, hopefully growing as this competition comes in, at some point maybe sunsetting it because it's no longer makes sense for it to be out in the marketplace. So that's a very important role to do the understanding of the customer and the care and feeding along the way. And maybe just to add to that a short and hopefully quick story going back a little bit, but I'm sure many of your listeners remember Blackberries or Crackberry, the great Canadian success story. Fastest keyboard I ever had on a phone. Absolutely. And Blackberry failed very dramatically. It's, the company's still existing, but it's had to re, reformate itself and focus on other things. But as I read through some of the history and what happened was that the two founders of BlackBerry, very, very bright individuals, right, that they were really the product owners. They were focusing on the direction of the product and thinking about where the technology was going and how they were going to evolve the BlackBerry to stay current. What happened was that at the same, they got a lawsuit from IBM about copyright infringement which occupied their time and their energy about how to fight this at the time Apple introduced the iPhone. And Apple made a shift in the market where they convinced the US carriers that data should be cheap, that it was no longer expensive to use data on cell phones. The whole BlackBerry model up to that point was based on minimizing data and having higher security. Apple with the iPhone got rid of that and they BlackBerry missed it. They missed that change because they were focused on other things, and it led to the demise of the company. And this is a dramatic example of where the value of a product owner is to keep focusing on what's going on in the marketplace and where the shifts are so they can prepare their product to take advantage of these shifts and not be swallowed up by a competitor as BlackBerry was with the iPhone. And being aware of those trend shifts are very important. It's interesting. I was consulting on IT technology sort of projects to law firms during that period of time. 
And law firms tend to be very risk adverse and not do anything that creates concerns for them, especially regarding security. And so all the IT directors were saying, as the iPhone came out, the BlackBerry is here to stay because it's the only one that takes security seriously that we can work with. When you started having partners show up with their iPhone and say, IT figured this out, I knew that shift that BlackBerry was done because as soon as that started happening in a very risk averse environment, it was too many compelling forces to fight against. Amazing. Great keyboard doesn't win every day, right? It doesn't. Still love that keyboard. Bring it back. Yes. Okay. Kind of as we're wrapping up, Another takeaway is not to get too wrapped up on these terms. We certainly need someone caring about the product. We need someone understanding what the customer problem is and following the customer as their preferences change and other factors are changing too. And we need to execute the project and get the work done, deliver something of value. What is getting in the way that you see in organizations that maybe don't do a good job delivering on one of these elements, not really understanding the customer or not getting projects executed well? Kind of key things that you see going on? It's amazing how things never change. So I remember taking my MBA at the University of Toronto way back when, and my strategy professor got on a rant about the curse of the quarterly reporting. And many that sticks with me now because many of the problems that we have around product support is a is deal to the curse of the quarterly reporting. So companies that are traded publicly every quarter, they have to issue their results and show what the results are. And if they don't meet the expectations of the analysts, then the stock price drops. And then the shareholders get upset because the stock prices drop. And then the CEO gets fired from their nice, big paying job. So they don't want that to happen. So they tend to be focused on shorter term decisions in order to make sure that they're going to meet the expectation for for the quarter. This is every three months. So, you know, what's the easiest thing to cut? Investing in new products, investing in an existing product. Oh, we can live with this for another month, another two months, another year. And that's where I see one of the biggest problems that we have is that we organizations, especially the for-profit side at times, will not focus on the future around the sustainability of the organization, not just for the next three months, but for the next three years or 30 years for that matter, to think about how we're going to, con- how to continue to invest in products to make sure we're delivering value, how we're going to continue to get feedback from our customers, how we're going to continue to invest in our project teams in order to deliver the enhancements on time, on budget, on scope, to allow our products to be successful and to hit market in time to beat a competitor or be, stay competitive. If we're going to continue to focus on these short-term objectives, right, is always going to be a biggest barrier that organizations have because they just won't see, won't value it, and they won't, and they'll cut it because it doesn't seem to be something that will impact right immediately results. Yeah, it's like technical debt for our software teams. We keep pushing those things that we really want to fit in the architecture down into the future because there's never time to actually do it, and then companies run into a crisis. Until you get to a crisis, then there's always time. Yeah. And that's the same thing. And I think we've got to figure out a way to realize that as organizations, if we want them to be successful for a long time, they have to continue to invest in their product to to evolve. And I think the other challenge that we have as well, like I had one more, is that as I look at today's world, organizations are struggling with the complexity 
of the world today. The fact that we have so many technology disruptors coming in, we have the ability to sell anywhere in the world, but so do our competitors. So our competitors no longer just around the corner, they're from any country in the world can start competing. And this gets a very complex role, very different role to look at. And organizations are struggling to see how do we put in place to understand who is our competitor? What are the technologies that are coming when they're coming so quickly? And I think that's another challenge that, that, are, that makes it hard for organizations to invest in products and to be willing enough to take some risks that they may not always work out, but in over time, most of them will allow them to be successful. Having a way to monitor that and stay involved and set aside some resources to try to keep up with emerging technologies, pretty important for most organizations. Absolutely. Very good. I, Peter, I appreciate the discussion on projects and products and some differences between the roles of those and really what we need to do to be successful in organizations. Listeners know we like innovation quotes. What's the one that you brought for us and what does it mean to you? So the one I talked about or handed at it was projects deliver products, products deliver strategy, right? So this idea mm -hmm. that as we've talked about throughout the 30 minutes we've had here together, that a project is going to create a product or service. And, but it's that product or service is what ultimately is going to help the organization be successful. And for organizations have to figure out how to invest in the right product and service, right product, the right features in the product to be successful and thus that would drive what projects they should invest in. So projects deliver products and products deliver strategy. And as product people, we do like to be involved with strategy or making a difference to the organization. And that's something that appeals to many of us. Thank you for that very much. How can listeners find out about the work that you're doing, resources you have, the book that we talked about? Oh, absolutely. GenP, New Generation of Product Owners Care About Customers, available on Amazon. So you just go to Amazon, you can Google Gen P or my name, Peter Monkhouse, it should come up. I've also, if you're a member of PMI on projectmanagement.com, myself and Joanna have done a number of talks about product ownership aimed at primarily project managers. I've also got some, Chad mentioned the PDMA conference that we met at back in November. So I've also got some blogs up on the PDMA website as well. So you can find me there. So those are the main places, but feel free to Google me and just reach out to me if you have any questions or want to talk further about this very exciting topic. I'll put links in the show notes and I'll include your LinkedIn profile because that's often a good way for people to reach out to guests. Absolutely. Peter, once again, thank you for the information. Glad to think more about product and project management and how those are related and how we can help organizations do a better job dealing with both and ultimately delivering value for customers. Thank you very much, Chad, for your time. And thank you for the listeners for spending some time with us. And for the listeners, once again, if you want a written summary of anything we discussed, including that one-page action guide, help you immediately put into action some of the key takeaways. And it's also a great discussion prompt uh, to help with your teams if you want to discuss these topics further. Simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 439. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.